Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Rangers Rundown, the only podcast of an appropriate episode length that were that our agents we'd all be down for it. Uh, I think the most down for it though is Mike, and he is not with us this evening. So you are going to be entertained tonight by Hayden. What's up, guys? And me. So we'll do our best. We'll do what we can. Much like the Texas Rangers. We'll they're playing try. Their, yeah, they're playing their little hearts out. Are they? Their big hearts out. Are they? They won seven in a row. That was pretty cool. Then they lost they're, to the freaking Twins. So They lost to Berrios. Yeah, that's is, true. That's their best player. It's kind of different, yeah. Yeah, Burrios is great. Like, he's legitimately incredible. He's really fun to watch. I I wish I'd seen the game today. I'm a big Burrios fan, and the Twins are actually a fun team. I worked all day, and I missed the uh, the matinee game. Did you get a chance to watch it? I did not, but I saw the box score, and it looked like it was... I, I saw that uh, Chu hit a first-pitch double, Yeah. and then that was pretty much it. That's all that yeah. we managed. Chu kept his on base streak. Is it thirty seven? Is that right? I think I under thirty seven. I, I like way overstated it the last episode, and you corrected me. But now it's been <laughs> several games, right. so I think yeah. I'm on the right page now. Yeah, he's got his WRC plus up to uh, at least. Let's see. I had this up, and then I closed it because I'm a genius. Yeah, it's one thirty eight. So, Chu Chu Chu, pretty dang good. Keep going, buddy. Keep going. <sighs> And just dream of those, dream of the Big Apple. Although mm. he probably doesn't fit there super well, but why not? You know what I've I've thought about, and we don't have to get into this because I'm not. This isn't like a fully developed thought, but thinking about a team like the Yankees, who have won 27 World Championships, or a team like the Giants, who have won a lot recently, or even a team like the Cubs, who finally broke the streak. Um, I've never been in this position because I'm a Rangers fan, so nor have you. Aww. But you know, once you win the World Series or you win dozens of World Series, is there some kind of motivation at all in the back of your mind that's like, you know, if we don't win this year, that's okay. You know, like do the Cubs feel that? Do the Cubs feel that same like drive to do whatever they can at any cost to win the division and go to the World Series and and win one for the city, or is it just kind of like, well? You already banked our one World Series, and mm-hmm. that'll hold us over for a decade. I don't know. That's that's what I think about when I think about like a team like the Yankees, who's really good and really young. Do they really want to kind of go all in for a year or something and maybe take on a bad contract or a player that doesn't fit super well? Because, I mean, do they really need to win in 2018? I don't know. I, 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 I really don't know. I'd be curious to hear from uh, fans of teams like that. Well, I, that's certainly the narrative, at least. You hear about teams that aren't aren't hungry or that are hungry who are all in on a title or who maybe get uh, complacent. I mean, that was the narrative about the Cubs last year you know, after they had their incredible 2016 run and that really, really phenomenal World Series with Cleveland. Another team that folks said should have been hungry and should have been in on it and that maybe fell apart at the end for whatever reason. You know, they're too teams that have been out of the running for a very long time. But people were dismissing the Cubs last year as being not really a world-class team because they couldn't you know, go dynasty or, or whatever you want to say. And it's certainly the narrative. I've never been an athlete on a, a team anywhere close to this caliber 
Uh, I played sports all through school and I kept playing them while I was in college, but not at a high level. And it can be difficult to get yourself up every day if you don't believe that what you're doing matters. I think, just personally, I'd always want to get up if I thought I could be in contention. The fact that some like old dudes won the World Series, my high school was really, really good at a couple of sports long before I went there. And that, I think, did not take away from our, let's just say out of a hat, football team being competitive. Like, True. Just because our football team was good 22 years ago with guys that none of us had ever met didn't mean that we didn't care about it then. So I think it comes up. I, I What you were saying to me actually kind of rung some bells from a front office perspective towards the end. You know, does that change the pressure that's on a you know a Brian Sabine or a, a Dave, Cashman, Dave right? Yeah, yeah, and it's Cashman who's with the Yankees, right? Yeah, yeah, um, or or Theo with Chicago. Like, does it move the the needle for those guys at all if they think that the pressure is off them a little bit, or? If they think that, you know, as a Yankees fan, I can say we're a great team. We don't have to pile in. Like you were just saying, you know, we don't have to go and grab Shinsu Chu and Cole Hamels this year, stopgap players who are not going to be valuable for us next year, the year after. We don't need to do that. If we don't win this year, it's okay. We've got 27 in the bank. You know, we can we can take a year. I don't know. Like, that's, that's something that's so foreign, that's so alien to me as a concept. Exactly. I just... Yeah. Uh, this is really good. This is a really good podcast content segment. We're like, I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. Do you know? Uh, but I don't know what it's like to win. But, oh, come on, man. No, I mean, I'm, but yeah, for real. I've never won a World Series. Like, does that yeah. change how you think about yourself as a uh, a competitor, as a team builder? You know, if I get my number one ultra dream job, does that change my my hunger going into work every day? I would think, oh my gosh, I have my dream job. You know, I'm going to go 100% on it. But would I? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and, and to me, I mean, you'd have to pull, um, you know, front office members, team, like the, the players uh, and fans, and you would certainly get different perspectives on it because, for example, like um, what's a player that the club, uh, Jose Quintana, right? Uh, recent member, recent edition of the Cubs, that was not there when they won the World Series. Or and it was a White Sox, you know. So they they didn't get to experience. They don't, you know, by by virtue of adoption, they don't get a World Series ring. Um, so their perspective would be different from like Anthony Rizzo or Chris Bryant. No, those players and their perspective might be different from a player like uh, David Ross, who was obviously on the World Championship team, who. Can probably and even then he won a World Series with the uh, the Giants in previous years. So all these perspectives and all of these experiences and these years and the history that these players have and then the front office uh, team has and then the fans. I mean, I would say the fans are probably the easiest to placate, probably because um, you know they are able. They were dumb. Number one and number two is we're able to remember you know 15 years ago and really remember that well we can remember the rosters of the 2003 rangers you know and that those teams weren't even good so think about like what if the 2003 rangers had one of the went to the world series we would still remember everything and we'd still enjoy that 
Um, I don't know if at this point, 15 years later, if we would be satisfied with, you know, just resting on our laurels and, and not holding our team accountable, but, um, there's gotta be some kind of, especially like with the Cubs who had lost for so many, so many years of 2016, we did it, man, like flags fly forever. And let's just like, set 20, I, I don't care if we go, zero and 162 in 2017, there's probably that mindset too. So. Ah, the Ian Kinsler special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It'd be it'd be interesting to to get honest uh, reports from. I mean, I can kind of put myself into a, a fan mindset of a of a winning team and a team that is set up to win right now and in the future in the coming years. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely can't put myself in the perspective of a front office or or a an athlete. Um, but I then have again, to I think, imagine that that players don't care about some of this stuff. Like these, this is what they do. This is a job. This is a calling. It's a profession for these players. And nobody enters the season, not thinking that they want to play for a world series. Correct. So, but, but they're also, they're realistic. You know, players aren't, they know they're not in the video game. The the dudes who started the season playing for the Royals or the Orioles or the, I don't know, the Padres, those are not players who I think expected to be playing in the beginning of November. Right. So what does that say about your approach? This is stuff that I just don't, and you and, and Mike, we just don't really have the experience, the the background to, to get in on this stuff. But it's something that I'm fascinated by, the mentality, the way that, that guys who have the ability to, to play their... You know their dream job and their their dream activity all at the same time. That's a different kind of mentality, and that's something that I I find myself quite envious of at times. You know, getting mm-hmm. to combine the opportunity with that dream. Nobody makes it to the bigs not liking baseball. You know, there's there's nobody who plays professional baseball who doesn't want to be there. They wouldn't be there. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's too difficult to do otherwise. Yeah, combining those things I think is very incredible. And so, as as very you know, tentative podcast spoilers, hopefully, maybe we can address some of these questions sooner rather than later. Don't you think? I was thinking that we could actually ask about that maybe whenever he's Ooh. on the show. Salty. It would be very cool, and I would love to get that kind of perspective because. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I have not had the chance to talk to... Well, that's actually not true. I did talk to a major league player not two years ago, which was fascinating. I got to meet a professional pitcher, Chase Whitley. Okay. He pitches uh, with the Atlanta Braves organization now, although when I knew him, I believe he was a Ray at the time. It was after his stint with the New York Yankees. I got to meet him through a personal function. It's very, very cool. I slobbered all over myself. I failed to introduce my <laughs> wife to this man. Uh, uh, I embarrassed myself thoroughly, but it was very, very cool talking to a guy. And he's, you know, he's a fringe major leaguer. I think he's a good player. I followed his career. I think he's a pretty solid pitcher. But you know, he's not a guy that the majority of baseball fans could identify. I'm not even sure that most Braves fans know that Chase Whitley is a person. But uh, that's like a different breed of person, man. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's different and. I haven't had a lot of opportunities to talk to pro athletes and you know front office personnel or even uh, secondary guys, media members or scouts or, or what have you. 
it's yeah, it's a whole different game out there and uh, I love it I think it's really really cool that all these people exist and that they're all kind of getting part of we talked about this before just the business of baseball and how interesting all the little parts are and the mentalities of the people who go into it that stuff is really interesting to me definitely and I would like to to point this out I how, you know it probably should be announced pretty soon um, I I would imagine it's going to happen again this year. A uh, Newberg report day or night, um, mm-hmm. oh, maybe yeah. with him moving to the athletic. Maybe that sh- will change. Maybe not because it's a charity kind of function. Yeah, hopefully but, not. Um, I actually went to that ooh, probably either two or three years ago, and it was tremendous because you have Newberg there, really knowledgeable. Um, Michael Tepid was there, which was great. Uh, answering oh, questions super, super jelly now yeah it was just it was like a twitter q a except for in person and he, you just got to see like his excitement on his face instead of oh. just through through all caps and curse words on twitter um <laughs> and then also uh john daniels was there and like oh, taking yeah. taking q a's from like this room of like 200 rangers fans and it was probably at least 30 minutes of questions from you know schmucks like us interested schmucks like us and it it was great it was really good i actually had a question to ask him but i didn't i don't think i was brave enough to raise my hand or something happened i didn't end up asking it but it was just it was it was because because honestly what part of why i didn't say anything was just because i was enjoying what was already happening so much so if you are listening to this you're obviously a rangers fan and if you can make it to newberg night if it does exist uh in 2018 go do it because you also get like a ticket to the game um it's it goes to charity like it's it is perfect yep it's rangers perfect. fans go also shout out to the one braves fan who i know listens to every episode of this podcast <laughs> really appreciate you dude <laughs> keep doing it <laughs> yeah well he can enjoy those uh those young braves players that they got are they still in first place uh, they should be think so wait why why am i not looking at this now scroll yes oh yes they are in first place over the phillies and the nationals and the mets and the marlins and it looks like they have the second best record in the nl they sure do why do you think that might be um because they have uh because they're the braves and they lost for a couple seasons and they were like wait a minute didn't we go to like 14 straight division titles oh yeah 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 so they just like got good again. They just woke they up just one got, day and said, "Oh, hey, we're the Braves." They they got good again. So part of why they got good, uh, we're just going to talk about the Braves for a while because it's fun and easy. Um, the Braves are good because they're they're just really good and they're also really young in a lot of the right ways. They've got a couple of experienced players who are having just crazy seasons. I mean, Freddie yeah. Freeman. Mm-hmm. If you're not watching Freddie Freeman play baseball, I don't know what's wrong with you. He's a great player. I mean. He's, his OPS is just under 1,000. Mm-hmm. He's an incredibly good hitter. He takes walks. He hits for power. He's a good first baseman. He's everything you want to see in that kind of player. Uh, he's he's just a lot of fun. Freeman, I believe, is the guy who had to be rescued by Chipper Jones off the interstate in Atlanta a couple years back. I am a Deep South resident. I live in Alabama. Uh, everything in Alabama and Atlanta, Georgia, snowed over and frosted a couple years back. Yeah, I remember that. It was horrible. There was like a whole inch of snow, and it shut down. <laughs> like, I'm not no. even kidding. Like no, two I inches remember of snow th- shut down the whole state. It was really oh, bad. I remember, I remember those pictures. And, I mean, I can't say too much because as a Texas resident, 
Yeah. I mean, some pretty much the similar thing happens, but <laughs> it was idea. literally like the apocalypse. I just seeing those photos of cars. It was abandoned. called snow apocalypse. That's what we yeah. called it here. Um, Atlanta got about two inches of snow, and it, it, the problem is it really it, that it iced. And Atlanta, mm-hmm. like most southern cities, does not have the technical capacity to handle that kind of snow. They don't have yep. plows. They don't have salt trucks, which yep. makes sense. Like, why would a city invest in that stuff? I, I think they had six plow trucks for the whole city, which is, <laughs> it sounds stupid, but that was the case. Anyway, the fun story was that Freddie Freeman got stranded um, on the interstate in his truck, and Chipper Jones took a four-wheeler and rescued him off no of the way. interstate. Yeah, there were all these pictures about it. Chipper Jones just rolled out there and picked him up and drove him back to his house. It was really funny. Uh, the Braves are very country, and I appreciate that because it's great. But I also appreciate the Braves no longer employ Jose Bautista because <laughs> that was terrible. But they also employ 34-year-old Nick Marcakis having like the best season of his entire career. Good for him. Marcakis is one of the most like cromulent players of all time. Like he's good but not great. Mm-hmm. He's never really been. He's had one bad year. He was bad in 2013. That's it. Yeah, like, I remember him being really good on the uh, the Orioles for a long time, kind of their only above average player, sort of like their their Michael Young, Jones, him and Adam Jones. Yeah, I think he was around before Jones too, but but yeah, he's been around since '06. So yeah, that's a while. Yeah, he he's had mostly just like good to very good, but he's a bad defender seasons. Mm-hmm. So his value is always just sort of all over the place. Like his wins above replacement by by Baseball Reference or. You know, two and a half, four, seven. That 08 season was really great. Three, two and change, two and a half, two, nothing, two, one and a half. Like, nothing. Like, he's just a very fine player. Um, I, I think effectively Wild mentioned that he was the guy who had accrued the most wins above replacement despite having never been to an all-star game entering the season. So that's probably done. He's going to be an all-star. He's... Batting 326, leading... 391, 483. He leads all of the National League in votes. Yeah, I think that he leads uh, the NL in votes, too, at least as outfielders, which is cool. Yeah, I'm pretty sure To see baseball fans, um, you know, pay attention. And I'm sure that there's a lot of Braves fans that are, you know, excited to stuff the ballot for ballot box for him. But... Yeah, I think Freeman's, like, third. So, hey, Braves fan who listens to this podcast, stop voting. I mean, vote more, but also, come on, y'all. You're just royalsing everything. This is a good team, though. This, yeah, the Braves team yeah, is really fun. They are good. Let me let me say one more point on Mark Kakis before you talk about oh, the please. guys that have been around before he was. Or, Give me your hottest you know. Nick Markakis takes. Oh, it's not super hot, but it's just kind of a. It's, it'll make you go, huh. Okay. All right, you ready? I'm intrigued. Okay, so at this point in time. Um, Nate Markakis' career wins above replacement is 32.2 on baseball reference. 32. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sun Chu, he of the $130 million contract, career wins above replacement is 33. Yep. So, Wait, okay, so I was listening to this, this Effectively Wild podcast, and they're talking about it. Chu is going to be the leader in war for a guy who's never been to an All-Star game, right? He's never been to one. Right. Yeah. Well, at least maybe going into the season and and 
like has it current as it currently stands uh, those are a little different um but yeah they are neck and neck in career wins above replacement uh Marcakis has one season uh more or no 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 sorry Chu has one season more chooses at 14 uh seasons in the bigs and Marcakis is at 13 um so if you want to even look at it at a per year status uh Marcakis is better than Chu and yet Chu has been the one that's gotten the big contract and kind of the uh you know high profile player and Marcakis has just kind of gotten his hits and played for a couple of different teams and you know, he's going to go to the All-Star game at age 34, which is cool. And I That's think he's awesome. got yeah, he's got an outside 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 shot at 3000 hits, which makes you go uh I did see something about that a couple of months ago. Uh, it was like a, a goofy article on mm-hmm. weird fringe candidates to do it and he's a very consistent hitter and that yeah. was it's silly, but but fun. Yeah, his career, 2,149. He's 34 Five, years yeah. old. It'd be very hard to do, but hey, you know. If he plays five more seasons and doesn't fall off a cliff, he's got a chance, which, I mean, if you had asked me, given me 100 guesses as to if Nick Marcakis was in that conversation, I would have guessed no 100 times. <laughs> But again, good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah. But we were talking about some of his teammates on Atlanta, and I think it's just worth talking about to lead into the sort of next segment here in that Atlanta's got a couple of established players like Nick Markakis or more, I think, nationally recognized Freddie Freeman. They have other journeymen who have really found a place to be. Kurt Suzuki and Tyler Flowers, who have both pretty much just been backup, just bland-level catchers have had phenomenal careers in Atlanta. Suzuki and Flowers, this is not their first year being good for Atlanta. Go ahead and pull it up. They've, they've just been good players. Um, they're making it work with the bat, and, and neither of them were great. I mean, Flowers had a really good offensive season a couple of years back when he was playing with Chicago. He was... Uh, and you're one of those like guys that you thought could have been a really good hitter. He was, you know, near a league average guy while playing behind the plate. And you said, hey, you know, there's something here, there's something to look at. Let's let's take a peek. And Atlanta did, and they've gotten themselves a very good player out of it. But what what stands out to me about this Atlanta roster is the the youth movement, which everyone's going to know. Uh, the most obvious are Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies. But you're also getting really interesting seasons out of guys like Johan Camargo, who is pretty young, Dansby Swanson, who was a, a, a top pick in the draft and then struggled a little bit in the majors. And he's having kind of an Addison Russell thing where he's not as good as people wanted him to be, but is still a very effective and valuable player. And there's always room to improve. And we've seen that at times from Swanson. They're just—they're getting really good play out of some young and interesting guys. I mean, Albies and Acuna are two of the best players in the league, and they're—they're they're babies. They are children, and it's wild. It's—it's kind of crazy to look at those those ages and look at those slash lines and make sense of those two things. Yeah, and even even Freddie Freeman is still only twenty eight, so he's yeah. kind of like the the old. Uh, or the older kind of leader for that team and just everybody else is younger than him. 
which he's is just Paul Goldschmidt a couple years back, a guy yeah. who was young and you were kind of aware of because he was great and you play fantasy, but not aware of because he played for a crappy team. Yeah. And he's now reaching sort of golden year period and he's surrounded by some incredible young talent. Yeah, it's it's really cool to see. I mean, what you don't want is, I mean, we can talk about this go in a thousand different directions, but what you don't want as a just pure baseball fan is to see a team kind of go the route of the Padres. No offense. Uh, yeah, shots fired. Uh, but a team that has kind of like always been about to start their rebuild, <laughs> I guess, or have like their, their crest of talent to finally start to break through and then just they don't or something. Um, for like the last, what, seven, eight, nine years, the Padres have kind of been... Uh, on their way they've been rebuilding you've been able to pencil them in as fourth or fifth place in the nl west um so it's good to see a team kind of take a step back commit to the youth make some good trades things like that and then here we are they are producing they are all-stars and um it's good for the sport for sure um, it's also enjoyable from a kind of league-wide perspective as a fan of the league as a whole um, I mean, Acuna is was everybody. I I I don't even follow the minor leagues that closely outside of the Rangers, and I knew who he was like years ago. Uh, he's he's a phenom, and the fact that he came up. Um, unfortunately, he's hurt, but he he's about to come off the DL, right? Yeah. And uh, I mean, he just came up and said, "Okay, yeah, this is pretty easy. I'm going to go ahead and you know, OPS 779 in my first 30 games in the big leagues. It's easy. I'm 20 years old." Like mm-hmm. think twenty years old. What were what were we doing at twenty? We were not hitting major league pitching and just yakking it out of the ballpark. No, I was just doing dumb stuff. Yeah, ridiculous. So good for the Braves and and it's and making the NL East is really, really interesting. No, the the East has been fascinating to watch. I mean the the Nationals have arguably the most dominant pitcher in baseball in Max Scherzer who is must-watch. The Nationals are also fielding the youngest player in baseball, which is a good transition to this next little segment here. Juan Soto, who is 19 years old and is incredible. (laughs) He is... Juan Soto is just like... if You you could have gone... (laughs) This this is the truth. You could have, like, gone off the grid, gone to, like, a foreign country, you know, do some kind of business trip or study abroad or whatever be out of the country for three weeks come back and like Juan Soto is a household name and you have never heard of him before and you're like wait a minute you mean the guy that was playing in low a like a month ago he just like went he just hit two home runs in Yankee Uh Stadium yep he did yeah is this a dream like nope just baseball (laughs) is this a simulation kids are great (laughs) I guess how it says I mean and and this kind of gets into another part about Juan Soto should be absolutely a household name but baseball does really suck at marketing their studs and their young it's talent. so bad i think the vast majority of the american population could walk into mike trout on the street and not recognize him and yeah. that's sad to me but we're putting some of our faith in a couple of these younger kids and hoping that a few of them are and i don't mean this is any disrespect to, to trout but maybe that's boring like Mike Trout is the safest superstar ever. Mm-hmm. He he just doesn't do any other than rooting for the Eagles, which 
Boo. He doesn't do anything even like a tiny bit controversial. He doesn't have any opinions. I don't know anything about him other than the fact that he likes weather and the Eagles. Like, he likes meteorology and the Philadelphia Eagles. It's hilarious. It is. It's cool. His text conversations with his wife are very funny. Yeah, it's it's actually, like, so boring and stupid and nerdy that it's actually incredibly good and fascinating. It is, yeah. (laughs) Again, Mike Trout. Mike Trout makes being boring interesting. Mike Trout's incredible. Everyone should watch Mike Trout games. Like, that guy's nuts. Mike Trout's a phenomenal player. But we have some of these young kids. I mean, Acuna, he will pimp it. Yeah. Ronald Acuna likes to watch home runs, and I like it. I am here for it. Ozzie Albies is a fun player. Juan Soto is having a ton of fun playing for Washington. I, I pulled up the other day the, the list of the youngest players in Major League Baseball. And it's kind of convenient because I think it splits along pitcher and hitter lines. So there's five guys in this list who are hitters and five guys in this list who are pitchers. And they combined are the 10 youngest players who play baseball. It's really, really convenient that it works out that way. So the the youngest of these 10 is obviously Juan Soto. He's 19 years old. He's OPS plusing 170. (laughs) He's batting 323, 422, 596. He's hit six home runs in just under 100 at-bats. He's, he's almost walked. Yeah, he's almost walked as much as he struck out, 17 to 20. Yep. Turns out 19-year-old Juan Soto, eh, actually pretty good at baseball. And the, the old man on this list is Glaber Torres, Yankees stud prospect, 21 years old. He's a shortstop. Uh, Glaber has hit 14 home runs. He's batting 288, 350, 554 for a 141 OPS plus. He was the the big name, the biggest name, excuse me, in the Araldus Chapman trade in 2016. So the the Cubs sent their their ultra star prospect Glaber along with Billy McKinney, who was a a very interesting outfield prospect. I, I don't know that he's had much of a chance in the bigs. I think he's sort of fallen off a little bit in the upper minors, but was a, a big-name prospect for a while there. But they sent Glaber over, and uh, he's been really, really good because, mm-hmm. of course, the Yankees can just make a 21-year-old shortstop into a superstar prospect. What's yeah. wrong with that? You really just... It's good to see good to see them turn out on the on the right side of one of yeah, those things. It's such an unlucky franchise historically. Yeah. They never had anything go right for them. I, man. Ugh. Anyway, but Glaber Torres is the old man here. But the other ten, just to round it out for for reference, from uh, from oldest to youngest, Glaber Torres, Jordan Hicks, Luis Gohara, Caleb Ferguson, Rafael Devers, Jaime Barria, Ozzy Albies, Mike Soroka, Ronald Acuna. Juan Soto. So the, the Braves are pitching four of these dudes. Gahara's 21, and then Albies is also 21. Soroka, Mike Soroka, is only 20 years old, as is Ronald Acuna. These are four very young players, and other than Gohara, they've all been excellent, and Gohara was very promising last year and is considered a top prospect. He's had some horrible personal issues. His father suddenly passed away in December, I believe, and then his mother has... Uh, an illness and he's had to fly back down to Brazil to deal with that a couple of times but Gohar is a guy who is expected to be a, a top end performer the The Braves are fielding four 21 or younger players and they're all good <laughs> like, 
Baseball's weird right now. A lot of kids who are doing crazy good stuff, and they're doing it at a really high level. Every player on this top 10 list, other than Gohara, and, and just depending on how you want to slice it, Ferguson has been really good. They've all been really, really good, you know, well above average players. That's nuts. It's what you think about when you a lot of writers and, and media members when they're able to make their picks for you know what what's a dark horse candidate you know okay the Nationals may be the best team in the National League certainly in the NL East um, but what's you know what's a team out there that could that could challenge them what's a team that might surprise people this year and a lot of people would pick the the Braves or the Phillies and kind of the the impetus for picking one of those teams is that well what if everything goes right you know what young if guys get these, better what if what if these young guys that we think are going to be really good what if they already are really good yeah and it's kind of like what what we thought i mean uh about the rangers in 2017 or at least oh. 2018 Rip. going into it i mean i mean thinking about like the high delta mm-hmm. and, and especially this year um for example with their pitching staff you know you say and with the with the lineup too, you say, well, if Matt Moore is has truly turned the corner with the changing his you know cutting like removing his cutter from his repertoire, yeah, and if Cole go. Hamels can be an ace again, and if Mike Miner's dominance continues into the rotation, and if Doug Fister can be reliable, and if Joey Gallo <laughs> takes a step forward, and if Nomar Mazzara turns into Miguel Cabrera, and if Cole <laughs> is the prospect, and if you know, if Adrian's Beltre's legs stay intact, and if Trinos keeps hitting home runs, and if DeShields can stay getting on base, and if Chu doesn't get hurt, and you know, it goes from there and there and there and there. Then, okay, you know what? We have an outside shot of maybe winning 90 games and, and making this thing really interesting. That's, yeah. That's on the table. And you get in the playoffs, and psh, everything's open again. Anything can happen, right. And so you, that's what's happened with the Braves so far. And, I, I mean, I'll admit I don't know their roster or their, their farm system or their philosophy. Oh, their farm system well. is so gross. Right. But they, uh, it seems to me, especially looking at the, the production and the age of their players, you can't bank on that. You can't predict it. You can hope no. for it. And for all of these guys to be hitting at once is, I mean – they're probably popping champagne bottles in that front office every day. What you're saying there is is really interesting because like the Braves turned Tyler Flowers and Kurt Suzuki, you know, role player catchers into stars. Suzuki and Flowers are two of the most productive catchers in all of baseball over the last two seasons. Freddie Freeman was always a star, and he didn't fall off. You know, he didn't get seriously injured. He didn't just get suddenly bad. He didn't suddenly get bad at base running or defense or lose his power stroke. He's OPS plusing 169. He's pretty good. You know, Albies turned himself into a very, very productive player. Dansby Swanson has come around the bat enough that he's a fieldable player every day. Ryan frickin' Flaherty has been useful for Atlanta. Ryan Flaherty? What? Like, whatever. Enter Inciarte was always good. I really liked him a lot with Arizona. I think he's a really interesting player. He's an excellent center fielder. He's one of the best center fielders in baseball. He's one of those guys who, a lot like Angelton Simmons, like isn't really very fast or doesn't really pop off the screen as being very good at what he does and then just makes every play in center and just makes them look so silly. Very smooth player. Nick Markakis is having a career season like we talked about earlier. He went from being just sort of a, a plug-and-play average corner outfielder into a really, 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 really good hitter, which I'm sure they predicted that. 
And then Acuna, when he has been healthy and playing, has been just a revelation as a 20-year-old player. And they're getting really, really good play out of guys like Johan Camargo. Their utility infielder is Charlie Culberson, who I believe was with the Dodgers for a while there. He's a utility infielder who's OPS plusing 106 this season. So, you know, whatever. They're just getting really good play out of a whole bunch of guys. Their pitching has come into place. Sean Newcomb has been really, really fantastic. Anibal Sanchez has made it work. He's been on the on the mound. Mike Soroka is one of those young stud prospects who's been very effective. Julio Terran and Brandon McCarthy have been their worst pitchers, and McCarthy is a steady guy. He's just going out there. He's a good clubhouse dude, and he's he's not been horrible. He's just been regular bad, and Terran has been also sort of regular bad, and they're both fieldable because, like, Mike fulton Evitz has just been silly. So this is a fun team, just top to bottom. Their, their big weakness has generally been their bullpen, they really only have one good lefty. That's A.J. Minter, who has served as their closer at times and is sort of an ace. But Sam Freeman has been quite bad. They're they're not getting a lot of lefty production. So what's up, Jake Diekman? I hope you like Atlanta. I hope you like crappy traffic. You're used to the DFW, so you should be okay with Atlanta. <laughs> like, get ready. Brace yourself. It sucks, but you'll make it work. It does seem like they, I mean... Guess what? The trade deadline has not passed, so we do have to mention it. It seems like the Braves, as long as they keep winning, it sure would make a lot of sense for them to fortify their team a little bit and see if they can't just stick a fork in the the Nationals and the Phillies and see what happens. I'm really looking forward to working with the Braves. Like I think yeah. it's a, a fantastic trade opportunity for Texas. I think the rosters line up really well. Atlanta has a lot of pieces in a you know, a, a standard A and a high A that I think work really, really well with Texas's new philosophy. They got a lot of really big name pitching prospects who are not going to be guys who they can count on this season, next season, or even the season after, but who line up more of that 2020, 2021 window that Texas seems to be really gunning for with guys like Lady Tavares and some of their, their current young core, JPM, etc. Mm-hmm. So I think that the, the organizations line up well I think we've got the pieces they're looking for you know yep. I, I went through that roster right there the only third baseman and all I mentioned is Johan Camargo who's had a good season but is also Johan Camargo he's and not so Adrian Beltre yeah those wheels might fall off he's not Adrian Beltre and the Braves have the athletic roster to maybe say you know if we get an Adrian Beltre we can hide him and bench this guy a couple games a week because Camargo is good enough to throw out there or, or or what have you. They can move pieces around a little bit and, and make that work in ways that maybe other National League teams can't. Mm-hmm. They're going to have the cushion, hopefully, from their other pieces to, to eat that and then run them hard in the playoffs. And I think they're going to want a guy like a Beltre or a Hamels who can step in there with some of these young 20-year-old kids and say, here's how to be a big leaguer. So... I'm really hoping that Texas is big in with Atlanta. There's a lot of pieces in that farm system I'm quite enamored of and would love to see come back. And, and I wouldn't hate rooting for Atlanta you know, going into the playoffs as well. They're easy to watch sure. here in Tuscaloosa yeah. at the very least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be cool. That would be really cool. And uh, speaking of those young guys that match up 
and looking at that 2020 2021 window being pried wide open Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't tell you this before we started recording because I wanted to just drop it on you right now. Oh, no. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you saw this before, but uh, Joe Palumbo pitched today. <sighs> no, I missed it. Joe Palumbo pitched today. Where? Arizona? In Arizona, yeah. Ooh, that's for the, the uh, one box score didn't pull up. Mm-hmm. For the, one, uh, for the first time in 18 months, Lay Joe Palumbo. Two innings, two hits. Three strikeouts, no walks. Beautiful. There you go. Oh, Joe, save us, Joe. Oh, that's really exciting. That's great news. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. Yes. You've, you've brightened my whole evening. I have Very 22 good. minutes of a beautiful day. <laughs> 21 minutes of a beautiful day. Remaining, yes. Ah, if, yeah. Once we get Kyle Cody back on the mound. Ah. Joe Palumbo. Mm-hmm. Good on you. Oh, and here's another thing that I want to tell you, too. You might have noticed this. We did talk about C.D. Pelham before. Yes. Um, who just got called up to uh, Frisco, so good for him, being mm-hmm. left-handed and very large. That throw is very good. hard. And very good, yeah. Big fan of his. Um, so we we, know, we uh, talked about how he um, pitched and uh, had a strikeout tonight, right? Uh, just got one guy out. Um, but I'll let you know this. In case you didn't notice it, because I didn't either until I read about it explicitly, uh, he pitched on back-to-back nights. Oh yeah, he did because he pitched. Hmm. Huh. 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 CD Pelham. He's he pitching in uh, back-to-back very games. Very well, maybe on this team in huh. <laughs> August and September. Huh. It's We're almost need like open, guys. it's almost like we might be uh, grooming needing a lefty some, bullpen needing a lefty power arm. Odd that you would say that. Odd, indeed. So I I want to talk about another odd thing while we have okay. the chance, and this is something that's maybe a little bit stale news now, but we've had some time to digest it. And so I know you're a college football guy, yeah. to some extent, being a Baylor graduate and fan. Yep. I am a college football guy as an Alabama graduate and fan. <laughs> two different two different realities that we live in. Very different flavors of college football fandom, but we both appreciate the sport and so I think we were both and I think I mean I know we were both very surprised and we talked at length in our uh, our pod chats about Kyler Murray being taken by Oakland uh, ninth overall, right? Yep. And Oakland decided to throw uh, $4.66 million at Mr. Murray by overdrafting him. And then they decided to let him continue to play football? The front office of the A's said something to the effect of, we're excited to become OU football fans this fall. I think it's... Look... And I'm not going to try and play some stupid, uh, the SEC, the Big 12 sucks at defense or whatever, but like, it's, it's, it's top level football and you're going to let your number nine draft pick go out there behind Oklahoma's offensive line and try to play football. That's yeah. 13, 14 games. However many it is. I mean, when I saw that they took a ninth, my immediate reaction, and I think I I shared it with you and Mike, was 
Oh, they're money whipping him. They're saying, "Oh yeah, here's five million dollars. You're never picking up a football again. You're a baseball player." And I said, "I wouldn't do it, but you know, props to Oakland." And I thought and that then, they were gonna go super under. I, I don't even know what they were gonna do. But I thought they were gonna underslot him like crazy because of the football thing. Yeah, and then and and that's my first response. And then I thought about it more. I was like, "No," because you said that. And I was like, "Oh no, Hayden, you're right." They're going to say, here's $1.5 million, do whatever you want. We're going to use this extra $3 million to go and buy late-round players. It's a purely great Oakland thing to do, phenomenal move. <laughs> you know, It was a very surprising position so they could go and talk to those guys who were saying, don't draft me unless you're drafting me in the first round. I'm going to LSU or whatever and say, yeah, but we've got $1.25 million that says you're not. Yep. That's, that's a great move. So I said – Okay, Hayden, you're right. That's what they're doing. And then the reports were saying they're overslotting him, and I lost my dang mind. <laughs> they ended up not overslotting. They went under 4.66 is a little bit under the slot of 4.7 something, I think. Yeah, it was they really said about a hundred thousand dollars, but to play football, they're letting him play. Like, and this is like no slight to football and and you know the CTE stuff. But like this is like the modern gladiatorial game of like it's purely violent. It is yeah. bone crushing. Like there's a chance that you can get concussed or have your ACL tear in practice. Like let alone the game. Like this is a dangerous, yeah. violent game that. <laughs> like, because here's the thing: if you're getting paid over four and a half million dollars to play baseball as a young as a young man and and i don't know him at all i don't know anything about him at all i just know that he is a football and a baseball player that got drafted by the a's and that goes to ou but this um, his football and and for what i also gather is that he doesn't really have a chance to go pro in the nfl so so as a 510 511 running quarterback with a a middling arm no no chance he's so no chance so maybe in 1983 yeah, him playing at OU amounts to like playing intramurals or like rec league football, except for he's for playing fun. with guys that are going to be playing in <laughs> the NFL with guys that are like six eight, three hundred and fifty pounds trying to tackle him, yeah. and he's doing it for free. He's doing it for fun on in his free time instead of like doing long toss or something. He's <laughs> he's gonna try to like escape a sack. And how it's a coup for Kyler Murray. I mean, this is clearly oh, yeah. what he wants to do. I mean, he turned down first-round money a couple years ago to go play college ball. Originally, mm-hmm. Texas Tech, right? That's where he went first. Or no, A&M. Sorry, A&M. it was A&M. Yeah, it was A&M. And then he transferred to Oklahoma. And, I mean, just now I can, I can SEC knowledge this. I'm sorry, but if you're transferring out of the QB situation at Texas A&M, I don't know that the NFL is in your future. Just gonna throw that one out there. Yeah. And fans holler at me. My my at is at B U H money. Yell at me. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> Give me all your 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 vitriol. But uh I don't see NFL in Murray's future. Maybe he could switch positions. He's an incredibly good athlete, but dudes who are five ten, five eleven listed in the one eighties, one nineties, two hundreds, that's not an NFL quarterback. He's not got a great arm. He's a second baseman center fielder. It's amazing so, for Murray. 
Four point six six million dollars to get the chance to go out there and play top level football with an Oklahoma program that was very competitive last year. I mean, they lost their left tackle, they lost Baker Mayfield, but that's a team that's still going to be good. I mean, Oklahoma yeah. is still going to be a competitive team. The Big Twelve is in sort of a weird phase where I think Oklahoma is going to still be a very dominant program, at least within the you know the the conference and, and probably on a national level. So props to Kyler for being able to do both. But if I'm Oakland, I don't get this. I, I just, I don't understand that. I would never pay a guy four and a half million dollars and then say, go blow out your knees and brain. Like, I don't get it at all. It's a ha- very bizarre thing to me. And there has to be some kind of language in the deal that says that he gets way, way less money if he doesn't oh, ever report It has to, to be voidable on injury it ha- it or, or like you get a million dollars if you sustain a season-ending injury or something like that. Like, we haven't seen it. That kind of stuff is in public. But if that's not in there, you know, like, I think the best-case scenario, just as sports guys, I've got nothing against OU. So I think the best case is that Kyler goes out there and has like a, a, a you know, a great season for Oklahoma and racks up all the the awards and points and Oklahoma loses to Alabama in the first round of the college football playoff <laughs> and you know he, he he goes and he says that was a, that was a good run and he plays professionally for Oakland and has a successful career for Oakland but that's not the most likely outcome I, I don't know what to say it's just well, not and so well, like I we... don't want to find out when inevitably he gets hurt and the contract is posted that he loses all of his money. I don't want to find that out. Oh, that would make me sick, But I'm so too. curious. I, I wish I could be on, uh, in the room on that one, fly on the wall and say, hmm, 1.6, you say. Mm, okay. Like, I wish I knew those numbers. It's one of those things that yeah. we never get to be part of that conversation between agents and front offices and players. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm deeply curious. It's so, what... it's so interesting. <sighs> and... I do wonder if how I mean because because all reports say that he's playing football like he's he's playing football he said that when he was drafted he said that before he was drafted he has signed with Oakland and Oakland says he's playing football right I was expecting him to go as a flyer like somebody draft him in the sixth round and try to money whip him and then just go eh and then he gets or, or like a 23rd round pick and then people say next year okay dude you had your fun because I think he's a draft-eligible sophomore right now. I think he redshirted a year and he's transferred and whatever. So he's going to play this year for Oklahoma as like a redshirt sophomore or something like that, as a, a functionally a junior. And I think people are going to look at him and say, dude, stop. Come play baseball. But not now. Because he no. signed for $4.66 million. No, he's, he's already a professional baseball player that has – he's got – He's on the right path of having generational money, and yeah, wow. I mean, he's going to be playing Big Twelve football. Like what? Oh man, I I I wonder. I I mean, I am a much 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 bigger baseball fan than I am a football fan, but I will be watching, paying really close attention to Kyler Murray and. Does he earn, earn the starting job? Does he yeah. miss a week due to injury? That I've cared about Oklahoma football, right? But I'm right. paying attention now. And and like is well, let's say he. What if he gets like I don't know, sh- a shoulder. His he he gets a dead arm or something like that. Uh. And like, does he decide to just like what if what if what if he 
does something oh, to his like, his elbow. That's his like elbow. the nightmare scenario. In, in it's the, not even like a, a predictable football injury. Like we talk about blowing at a knee or sustaining a head injury, but like what if he just strains his shoulder? Like and and, and what I'm really curious about too is is what if that happens in like week three of the season, and if it's not something that's devastating, does he go? Well, I can try to rehab this and really push myself and risk further injury, but kind of, you know, work my way back and I'm good in week 10. Mm-hmm. Or does he say, you know what, like, take it. Just I've had walk. my fun. Just like, I got to, like, I got to do what's best for me and my family going forward. Yeah. I mean, we're, I think we're in this position where both of us want, I mean, this is the best. I don't, I don't have anything against the guy. I don't have any weird animus against Oklahoma or against the I athletics. Do. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I'm not rooting for the guy to get hurt or something. I, I would much rather he don't because I like the idea of multi-sport athletes, and I think he's yeah. interesting enough. But at the same time, I kind of want to see what happens if one of these really predictable bad situations comes up. And it's like, yeah. did y'all plan for this? Like, you know, w- what happens at this point? So, yeah. ow. Oh, I just punched my desk. Dang. Uh, I've Kyler murdered myself. I'll never sign my big podcast contract now. <laughs> no. Oh, I've broken multiple fingers. I'll never type again. Ugh. Yeah, it actually hurt. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> it could happen to all of us. Kyler Murray is not going to be hurt on the football field. He's going to have a skateboarding accident at 3 a.m. at Oakland coming back from a Taco Bell. And that will end both his illustrious football and baseball careers. So... You know, until you hear about Kyler Murray and the great KFC catastrophe, stay tuned to the Rangers Rundown. We'll give you all of the scoops, the news, the positional updates on your favorite multi-sport, terrible Big 12 players who don't play for the good Big 12 teams. <laughs> yeah, we got it. we got it covered. Yeah. All right, is that pretty much it? I, I think I'm about done there. All right, well... We're Rangers Rundown. You've listened to this. We've made this really late at night because we have a duty to you, listener, and we have a duty to one another to keep this going strong. If you are only a fan of the Rangers and you do not appreciate the Atlanta Braves or Kyler Murray or, I don't know, anything that we talked about, then start your own podcast. Yeah, holler at us. Well, our podcast will fight your podcast. If you don't think Nick Marcakis is cool, fight me. <laughs> DM me. I'll give you my address. Show up here. Yeah. I'll fight you. <laughs> On behalf of Nick Marcakis. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, you can't talk about the trade deadline over and over and over. And honestly, honestly, we didn't watch a single pitch. Of, neither one of us watched any of the twin series. So... Uh, We're not going to just like BS you and just say, man, can you believe what Paul Molitor said? Because my thought in the moment was this, because I caught up on that via Twitter. So yeah, can't do that to you. We, we, yeah. we don't lie. We're a very truthful podcast. So did we watch the Rangers games? No. Did we talk for an hour about the Braves? Yes. Yes. <laughs> this has been your Texas Rangers podcasting home. This has been your Braves Brundown <laughs> brought yeah. to you by... I was thinking about how we do need to get a sponsor. If you want to sponsor this for like three dollars an episode, we would make yeah, it, we would make like a marginal profit. Half I think like that a we could dollar each, an episode. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it costs ten dollars a month to host the podcast, so oh so no, the, the nitty gritty details. Yeah, the overhead is that's what gets you. 
Yeah. So we're we're really suffering here at the Rangers Rundown. We can't, <laughs> we can't pay for this. Help us keep microphones plugged in. Okay, this is enough. It's almost midnight. I'll Go Rangers. You. Go Rangers. Go Frisco. Mostly Go Frisco. Frisco. Go Braves. And, uh... Go Barbs. Yeah. Barbs. <laughs>